podcast is out. The age of independence is here, where the next generation of high-performing agencies transform the agency landscape. I'm a mom, a businesswoman, and mega startup coach. This podcast is all about you, the agency owner, stepping into the new wave of opportunity, knocking out the competition in the modern market. This is the Age of Independence Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Agar. Welcome to the show. Hi, agents. The Age of Independence is all about growing and scaling without losing the heart and soul of your agency. And today we get to hear about that from someone who has seen what this means for call centers as well as individual agencies. Highgard Zivian is the VP of Operational Innovation at Quantum. And as the Director of Customer Service for a Fortune 500 company, Hyg led teams as large as 400 employees. He implements strategic changes by intersecting analytical and problem-solving skills along with a leadership mindset and passion for working with people, and that will really stand out in our conversation today. In addition to that, he has worked hand-in-hand with agencies to help them develop growth and change management strategies that make the most of that lead spend and maximize team performance. So hang with me while we get the cliff notes on Lean Six Sigma. We'll find the low-hanging fruit in the agency force and hear how to find your North Star while your agency changes and grows. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the Age of Independence. And I'm super excited to introduce a special guest today. Hi is part of our leadership team here at Quantum and can't wait to share with you more about his role and how he's helping us innovate. Hi is the VP of Operational Innovation at Quantum and um, looking forward to diving in and hearing about his specialties, growing call centers, and also consulting with insurance agency owners. He really has expertise on both sides of the industry and so much I can't wait to to pick his brain on today. Hi, Haig. Welcome to the show. Hi, Caitlin. Thanks. Uh, thanks for the nice intro and I'm excited to uh, chat with everyone and give, share some thoughts here. Absolutely. Well, having you as a part of the leadership team at Quantum has been so pivotal for us and can't wait to dive into some of the things that have led to your success and things that you're doing to help our company grow and scale. And um, so just want to get to know you a little bit and want to share a little bit about your background with our guests. So tell us where you're joining us from. Yeah, I actually um, was just doing some consulting on agencies um, in between like full-time roles um, most recently. Um, And it was just like smaller, um, you know, agencies who are looking to scale up and improve the sales funnel performance um, and understand their business better. Um, so that was um, that was exciting. That was fun just seeing like, you know, um, hardworking folks um, who want to do well and uh, setting them up for success. You know, some of the things we touched on there was like just understanding your business, your finances, making sure um, you're making the right strategic decisions in hiring, et cetera. Um, and then making sure people do what you're asking expecting them to do. Um, it's just quick opportunities there. Um, prior to that, I worked at uh, Matic. I was the senior director of insurance there. Um, so it was a, it's a startup uh, much larger than uh, an independent agent. Um, and uh, there I had sales service, inside sales, just various functions, workforce um, operations um, for their agency there. Um, and that was, that was really fun because it took... Um, what I learned from Geico, 
um, for the majority of my career I spent there. Um, every, a lot of what I know today is because of Geico. Um, at a big call center and then building your own um, at a startup, which is fun, and then getting to do it kind of again here at Quantum um, is fun too. But uh, Geico is where I started. Um, it, you know, I started as an entry-level PIP adjuster, um, worked my way through various analytical roles, um, and then I decided I really had a passion for leading people. Um, so I learned my sales service experience, and eventually I was a director of um, customer service for their agency. Um, but a lot of what I know is is from Geico, hundred um, percent. Yeah. What was your role at Geico? I had a lot of various ones, but my most, like my last role was um, director of uh, customer service for the insurance agency there. Um, so working with various uh, carriers, um, Geico doesn't have their own homeowners. So working with various carriers and a customer service operation, it was a large, large team of mm -hmm. 400 or so folks, mm -hmm. um, lots of different layers of um, leadership and coaching um, happened there. Absolutely. Well, and it sounds like your background in analytics and leadership have really converged to help you um, understand both sides of that coin when you're working with a call center that's growing to that, you know, magnitude of 400 employees or an agency that is looking to grow and scale to the next level. So I know that's something I definitely want to chat with you more about. Yeah, absolutely. And another thing I would add to that is like in the middle of my career, um, I learned a lot about process. I got my Lean Six Sigma certification mm -hmm. rebuilt through Geico and I learned about process. Like, so it's mm -hmm. numbers, process, people um, are like the key things I would say to me. So for those of us that are like newer to Six Sigma, we kind of know what it is, but we need the cliff notes. Can you break it down mm -hmm. for us and give us like the 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 high like one or two sentences, yeah. what do we need to know about six segment and agency? Sure. I mean, I mean, I think for agencies, just like what you expect to happen happens. Um, and like the whole concept of lean six Sigma is how do you look at a process and the various steps of the process and analyze potential failure points. Mm -hmm. um, and that could be because someone doesn't know what to do. It's not clear, um, which is usually the failure points. Um, and that causes people to do things differently. So then as a result, your final um, you know, outcome might be different. Um, so the whole concept of it is looking at a process and trying to like streamline it as much as possible um, so that after the process review is like complete, um, your results are just consistently where you want them to be. Yeah, absolutely. And I know um, just speaking for myself as a previous agency owner, um, some of the pain points were things as simple as like, okay, depending on which team member this falls to, it's going to get done a different way. Or if I were to be the person handling the process, it would have a different end result than if someone on the, the team were spearheading it. And so I can imagine that for some of our guests listening, these are like everyday challenges that you have in front of you is like, okay, here's the goal, but how are we going to get there and how much longer it takes when everyone's pulling in a different direction? Yeah, that's that's um, a huge opportunity in, in not just agencies, I would say in all businesses, but um, particularly like making agencies the scope of what we're talking about is you still want your folks to have that indiv individuality, you know, what makes them tick, um, what their actual strengths and weaknesses are, because some people are generally better at skill-based things like selling or retaining customers than others are. 
But uh, the point of the process is to make all the things before and after that skill-based thing be polished so that um, it's consistently uh, done the same way. You know, I'm just trying to think of like, um, let's like consider like baseball or, or like any kind of sport, but let's use baseball as the example. Like when you step up to bat, like some people are going to be better at hitting than other people are, right? But like the whole, if if the, um, the setup before as the pitches come are the same and then what happens after is the same, people will have more success. Um, but right now it's like, Sometimes the pitches come, sometimes the pitches may not come, and that's what causes um, no. more of a <laughs> Yeah. So I know you're on the East Coast, but tell us, who's your team? I'm a huge Yankee fan. <laughs> yeah, 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 big time. Awesome. So when you um, stepped out of the call center world, Hike, and started consulting with agencies, were they on the East Coast or did you travel? Uh, they were here on the island, so okay. they were just on the East Coast, yeah. All right, mm -hmm. awesome. So – was there anything that was not necessarily a culture shock, but like a major culture difference between working with Geico and Matic on these like large scale operations and then stepping into an agency and helping them figure out where they were going to start? Yeah. I, I mean, it's just, you got to wear a different hat. Mm -hmm. um, Cause you know, and a big, a big co company, um, Every dollar sometimes is in they ideally it is, but it's not thought of. And then there's um, people resource, a lot of people resource. But in a small agency, you know, there there aren't that many folks. There aren't that many people resources. You know, your whole day can be done, uh, turned sideways if a couple of people are sick um, or someone has childcare. You know, like the whole day can turn around um, where the owners have to step in more. Um, so it's just about. Um, management of those but while focusing on primary outcomes so the the biggest thing that we tried to do in the agencies that i consulted is just sit down with the owner and talk through them what their particular challenges are um what they wish they could do better and then we created a plan and a strategy around that so it wasn't like a one-size-fits-all kind of thing and i know that background is so important to us at quantum because our our company has our main hubs in Fredericksburg, Virginia, and here in Allen, Texas, as well as our amazing agency force that spans from the East Coast to the West Coast. And these are entrepreneur-owned agencies who um, are thinking through their business plans and launching a startup and have so many goals in mind. They have this vision for what they want for their team. And um, it's such a, a asset to Quantum having you in a leadership role with backgrounds in both the large scale call center operation side, as well as just like rolling up your sleeves and working with an agency to increase their, their output and those outcomes that you mentioned. So I'm curious, um, knowing that we know that large call centers are different than agencies, but I found that some agencies just have this heart and this scrappiness to them that is like, I'm going to get it done no matter what I have to do. So what have you found to be some of the advantages actually that agencies have over these larger organizations that might think, have the, size uh, yeah. the resources, but a different mindset? Definitely. There are big advantages, I would say. Um, and, and the biggest one is like just the people, like your people management, you know, there's um, in, a, in an agency with effect, in, you know, in an agency with effective leadership, um, everyone feels like they're part of the team, everyone's on board and the messaging is a lot easier 
um, from the owner to the you know people who are doing the work. There usually isn't you know like four, five, six, seven layers of management where the game of telephone can get <laughs> messed up, right? Um, yeah, and and I think the owner from a cultural perspective has a much bigger impact on a smaller agency because um, they're always around and people, you know, they can um, lead through people seeing how they handle certain situations. And I think that's very impactful in an agency. Um, not to say that like process and all these other like corporate structure wide things are, you know, not helpful, but I think just the, the advantage is how you can handle the people and how you can uh, influence outcome in a smaller agency than a big corporation. Yeah, what I'm hearing is that agency owner, you guys have this opportunity to live out your mission and values directly in front of your team every single day. And so it doesn't have to filter through layers of bureaucracy to get down to the people who are speaking with your clients. It's a huge advantage. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and, you know, you can influence just one person on the, you know, like as an owner, you can influence one person that works for you so much easier um, when you interact with them and you see them every day versus, you know, once every quarter, maybe you see someone in a big call center. So. It's almost like having your own mentorship program already built into your agency. Yeah, right. absolutely. Um, when you stepped into agencies, where did you find the low hanging fruit? And I, I imagine that varies based on the agency. Did you notice any trends where our listeners could could think about their own agency and maybe pick up some low hanging fruit along the way that they might be missing? Yeah, I, I think um, I, I can do it like broadly. Um, and the way I would do it broadly is like, think about the things that are most important to you in your business right now. The ma overwhelming majority of the time that's going to be sales, right? In, a, in an agency that's starting to grow. So if you think about sales and you think about your funnel, which is where are the leads coming from, right? Am I doing a good job in buying the leads? How can I improve? That doesn't have anything to do with like the people, but that's a big uh, proponent of sales. Then it comes down to like your contact strategy and how you're getting people on hold. And then what happens when you finally get them um, to a quote situation? So there's a lot of expectations around what's supposed to happen from when you buy a lead from your team making the right calls, the right emails, the right follow-up strategies. And in my experience, you know, those aren't always done to the way that the owners would like or the, you know, what that process expectation is. So using reports is a really good way of understanding um, what is happening or just talking to your people, you know, like, oh, you know, we're supposed to call everyone once a day for five days in a row unless they pick up. I'm making that up. Did that happen? You know, for the for the leads on Monday, I just go back and check them all. Did everyone get five calls or not? And then that's how you can understand the breakdown on your process. That tight pipeline management goes a really long way. And one thing that I've seen in agencies is the um, sometimes just like your bundling ratio is some low hanging fruit, where if you could hyper focus on that area and coach your team to maximize that lead that's in front of them to better serve the client, put them in a better position. Once you truly understand their needs, it becomes a lot easier to bundle. And then the client walks away in a better place and you walk away with a lower 
acquisition cost per sale. Um, but a big part of the pipeline management would be having those reports and that discussion with your team around where their opportunities were and what the outcomes were of that sales conversation. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And, you know, just piggybacking off of the, the bundling conversation, uh, I think my advice for owners would be don't expect that your people know how to bundle. So if it's an auto first lead, what does the bundling have to look like? What is it? Should it sound like? When should the conversation happen? If it's a home first lead, same question. If it's if it's a trucking, how do you do personal? What does that transition sound like? When at what part should you have that conversation? Should you tease it in the beginning of the trucking conversation and say, "Hey, we have really good personal lines too. I'm going to talk to you about that afterwards," or should you do it at the very end? You know, so it's one thing to just say, "Hey, guys, bundle." Right. But that's not going to happen to the way that you're expecting it to, because um, people might need your guidance, you know, uh, from your sales experience on what works best. Then when you have like a process of like what you're expecting everyone on your team to do, you can follow up on it. You can coach it. You can practice it and make sure people are doing what you expect. And you do a lot of change management here at Quantum High. So if an agency were hyper focusing on a big change like this, or like, here's our bundling campaign, guys, because it's going to create this additional revenue for the agency. What are some like guiding principles you can share with us that would be important before you roll out a huge change that mm -hmm. might shake some things up for your team? Yeah, sure. Uh, the first thing, the first thing I would do is just talk to everyone and get their take, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so talk to me about, you know, bundling, like what's going well, what's not. And I'd write, write them all down and, and then, you know, I'd review them. Whatever are the common themes or the things that I know I'm going to need to address in my change so that when I'm rolling out the change, people understand that they're hurt. And a lot of times the people will know exactly what's jacked up with the process, right? Mm -hmm. And they'll tell you, keep it real. So once you have that, then you come up with an ultimate strategy, um, whatever the process needs to look like. And those are the, the scenarios I talked about before would be the ones I would focus on. And then I, so then I would say, okay, this is the knowledge of what you need to do. If A happens, you do B. If C happens, you do D. But that involves skill, right? And skill is something you got to practice. So, you know, part of your change management rollout is like, if we're going to say, hey, in like two weeks, you know, we're going to roll out this new bundling strategy or process, or maybe you do it in June since it's the start of a new month. So you can like easier to understand how effective you are at it. After you get the knowledge, there's like two weeks of practicing that should be going on. Either you as the agency owner or if you're um, fortunate enough to have an office manager, um, your office manager can roll it out for you and have those coaching conversations and practice. But as the owner, you should be in the, in, in the battle, so to say, with your team, practicing with them so they see that you care enough to be on board. So once the training is done, give about a week, week and a half of practicing um, and then the trains rolls out. And then, you know, when it's rolled out, you celebrate the wins. Talk to your folks. What's going well, what's not. Um, after a week, whatever is the improvement, even if there's no improvement, you got to celebrate it. Make sure that people understand that you weren't expecting this to be a silver bullet because it's a skill-based um, change that you're looking for. And a lot of times skill takes weeks, right? But you have to be persistent as the owner and you have to drive that direction. Um, I mean, just consistency after a month, 
So like summarizing the change process is like listening to your people, create a good process and training around what you want, train, leave enough time to practice for the rollout. Once it's rolled out, week one, find any wins to celebrate, um, but then let your team know that this is going to be a month, you know, a long-term thing and just track your progress as it goes. Absolutely. And so much opportunity there when we hold ourselves back from just winging it and just like moving forward. As entrepreneurs, often we're used to having to be nimble and just act and execute. But when we want to see that result multiplied across the various team members that are part of our agency and part of our group, we've got to take the time to like help them along and make sure that we have their buy-in and their mindset is in the right place so that they can iterate on this new goal and this expectation. So I, um, agents, I heard, I heard some things shared that I think are just so good for us to remember when we're so like super driven around accomplishing a major objective. It's mission critical for our agency. We can't let our people get lost by the wayside when we roll out this process. So some things I said that stood out to me are making sure people understand that they're heard and seeing that you care enough, talking to your folks, listening. And that stuff takes a little bit of time. It slows it slows down the rollout a little bit. But wow, what a difference in the results when everybody's pulling in the same direction. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And people feel heard. Um, and you can have the best processes in the world, but you know, if your people aren't all on the same page, it's not going to, you're not going to get the result that you want. But, you know, another thing about change management, um, you know, going off of your thoughts on like entrepreneurial spirit, like let's move fast and let's get things done is you have to be disciplined enough to not change all the time. Right. So like the way you want to think about your business is there's like a cup. You only have a cup of change a month. Right. And the, depending upon the impact of what you're trying to change, you know, you, you can't overflow the cup or else everything's going to get messed up, right? So if you, you know, for example, let's say you're you're trying to change your, like what we just talked about, your cross selling initiative, mm -hmm. right? Let's say that's half of a cup's worth of change. You know, if fires come up that you want to do tactical things quickly, then you're not going to have enough change. So you can't change five, six, seven, or eight different things, or else all the changes are going to get blended together and the cup's going to be overflowing. So you're not going to know the impact of any of the changes that you made. Uh, and your people are going to feel like they have no chance. Hey, loyal listeners. When you hear me say CAS certified, that means that we use them in our agency. Are you a local insurance agent looking to take your business to the next level? Write more business and see your agency succeed with NBS, aka Nationwide Brokerage Solutions. But like in today's world, we use these initials like it's cool because it is. It's hip. At Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, they offer the challenges local agents face in the constantly changing market. That's why they offer a wide array of personal and commercial markets and policy options to help you meet the needs of your customers, no matter how unique they may be. With a team of experienced and dedicated professionals that provide you with the support and the guidance you need to see your agency succeed. Nationwide Brokerage Solutions is here to support you every step of the way. 
Don't you survive in the competitive insurance industry? Thrive with nationwide brokerage solutions today. Get started today and learn more at mbsbrokerage.com. That's where you learn more, mbsbrokerage.com. Cast certified. So putting myself in an agency owner's shoes, I know what it feels like when that cup overflows and there's too much change going on at once. But I think sometimes our bandwidth as agency owners for being able to just buckle up, grit our teeth through the change, we, we can push through it. But what is it? What does it do to our team when things reach that point, Hike? Yeah, I mean, no one's going to know what's happening. Um, you might think you got it all under control as a leader. And if you talk to individual people, they will recall the changes that you're talking about and tell you, oh, yeah, I know I need to do this. I know I need to do that. But in practice, because there's not enough practice on this, a lot of these changes are skill-based, right? Now, if, if you do some changes that are, like, propelled by technology – it's very easy to do. You can't really make a mistake. Those are really tiny changes that I'm, that's not what I'm talking about, right? I'm talking about like major changes. Um, and what it, what's going to end up happening is that because there's no focus on one change, the practices aren't going to be as effective because you're practicing multiple things. And then the execution, the follow-up, and even knowing if the result's moving because of change A or change B, mm-hmm. you know? Like it, sometimes the changes could be competing. Um, so it's just, it's just very tough. Um, for small businesses, I would say like my advice for a small agency is one change a month, one huge change. And then you can do like smaller stuff, obviously, but big changes that are focused on your primary goal and nothing else. Um, that's what I would recommend. And it's so hard when you leave an agency conference or a round table or a brain share to just like rein it in when you get back <laughs> because you leave with pages of notes and you've seen what your peers are succeeding at and all these areas of opportunity for your agency. It's so, so hard to pick just one when you get back from a conference, isn't it? Yeah. So you got to take all those things you, you have and kind of map them out and then forecast the impact of each of them for your team maybe even, you know, bounce them off of your team and say, Hey, we could do these four. I want to do these four things. You know, once a month, we're going to do these four things. Which one do you think we should do first and why? And then you're getting your team involved in the process, you know, and they might tell you, I get these types of calls all the time. I wish I did them better. Let's do this one. And then you're like, all right, great. Um, So, you know, sometimes it's metrics that you can easily make the decision without relying on your team. But if it's gray, why not ask that people who do the work? Have you had an instance in the past, Haig, where there was this change that to you was just clear line of sight, you knew the department or the agency needed it, but you held it in open hands to see whether the team was going to be on board? Um, Not necessarily if the team was going to be on board, but I've definitely had situations where I had a preference of like change A, but I knew B and C would be great too. Mm -hmm. But I, you know, but I was like, if it's up to me, A all the way. I actually just asked which one um, and, and like in that position, you know, I had like leaders under me um, and they made the call, but you know, you want to empower the people to make decisions. So yeah, you know, may, would we have maybe gotten a few more policies if I picked mine? Maybe, but I would bet that because they picked it, they were more mm-hmm. passionate about it. And maybe it was a wash. You know, wow. so, so it's important as a leader, to see when is it preference mm-hmm. or when is it better? When is it? You know, so like when you're listening to a call, you know, and someone, 
<clears throat> someone says something in a particular way, you know, you got to step back and say like, yeah, I probably wouldn't have done it that way. My preference would have been to say it a, this way. Mm-hmm. What it was it better or worse or not indifferent, you know? And that's when you start to get really good discipline and, and then your team doesn't feel like you're nitpicking everything. And it also creates that opportunity to find more wins too when we're not nitpicking. We, we had a call calibration recently where we were listening to a call. A couple leaders were collaborating and the question was, ooh, like, did this call hit the objectives or not? Because it was like right there on the line. And the the agreement we came to was like, yeah, we wouldn't score the call down for this, but we might have a conversation about like, what else might you do next time? Or how could you have expanded this conversation a little bit further? What are some other questions you could have asked the client? So that it was still a win for the associate. They still um, achieved their goal um, without nitpicking and turning it into like a net loss for that person. Yeah, definitely. Um, though, what I would have done if I was in that room, Caitlin, is I would have asked the leader what that associate was working on, mm-hmm. right? And whatever it is, oh, greeting, verification, like whatever, pick a, pick a topic. If that particular thing was done well on the call, I would celebrate the hell out of it. Yeah. If it wasn't though, we'd have a conversation. You know, because that's the that's the grounding of the framework of like how do you instill a culture where the leaders are focusing on their associates and what they're working on, and we're always listening for that one thing because anyone can listen to a call and be like, ah, that one should have been a little better. But you know, when a leader's on in the hot seat and trying to like think through, this is what this person's working on. I think they're going to do it. Um, that is a really awesome celebration because the leader is celebrating because they made, you know, mm-hmm. they had success, the associates celebrating because they did the thing they're working on and you're happy because your people are doing, you know, are improving. I'm hearing that there's an opportunity cost either way you go. You can like roll out a change this your preference and say, this is, you know, what I project to be the win and it could be better. Um, or um, there could be times where it's a net win because the team was on board, had their minds in the right place striving for a common goal without some of those hiccups along the way from people just not being sure too much change. And then what could have been better isn't executed because we don't have our people behind it. Yeah. Yeah. Like going even further into the change, like a rabbit hole, uh, (laughs) there's certain changes you got, you got to look at like an emotional impact of a change and a business impact of a change, right? When you're like gauging, Mm -hmm. should we do a change or not? Cause sometimes a particular change can have an, like an associate level emotional impact. Mm-hmm. They may hate the change or they may love the change, right? Mm-hmm. Which will be a bigger weight than a business impact because if something can have a huge business impact that a lot of people are going to hate, that's going to require tightly managing the change. So there is that, you know, element of it too. But I think, you know, for most like agents, like quantum agents or, or like small agents, uh, this isn't going to matter. Like this is bigger for like larger scale operations, Um, but it's something to keep in mind. Absolutely. And when an agency is working on, okay, I have my goals for the the year. I know I need to tighten up my processes. I'd love to get your advice on how they can go about that. I, I know that 
each entrepreneur seems to have like a special niche. And for some people, that's community involvement. For some people, they're like, I'm the salesperson. I can market. I can get these leads in, make it rain for my agency. Other people, those relationship builders, they're really great at recruiting and developing their teams. What would you say to the person who doesn't have clearly defined processes in their agency yet, but they want to scale with intentionality? What would scaling with intentionality look like someone who's starting on a process strategy? Yeah, I would go back to the funnel. I, I think, you know, like going back to what you're saying, like the whatever you're great at and whatever your passion is, maximize that as much as you can because that's fun for you. You know, you're good at that. But if you're looking to scale, you got to think about your funnel more than anything else. So like leads, how much are my leads costing? Where are they coming from? Um, and then like how often am I contacting my leads? Um, how good is my organic traffic coming in? Um, and then the various performances. So like, and then based on the results of that, that's when you determine the process, you know, which is why I keep going down to that. But like everyone is looking to sell, you know, who isn't looking to sell, right? But like, you know, if you, gotta, you have to focus on what's causing you not to sell or what's causing you not to get people on the phone and build processes around that. Because that's probably what your team isn't doing um, organically on its own. And they're going to need you to step in and create a process to make it easier for them. What's the danger to losing credibility to your brand if you scale too fast? If, if what you're expecting to happen on the phone mm-hmm. isn't happening or you're buying more leads, you're, pe- um, you're growing so fast that everyone has more leads than they know what to do with. Right. So instead of someone getting a call every day or whatever the process is, they're just getting one and done now. Right. Or, um, you know, we have so many leads. We're just shooting fish in a barrel. If if someone legitimately needs help and it's like close, I'm not going to waste my time on them because I have all these other leads that I could just go after. Right. And if there isn't a good follow up process or like a survey process to understand what the customer's are thinking about your service, mm-hmm. it's just going to spiral out of control. You know, so I'm not saying don't get a lot of leads because leads are great and we want to sell. But I want to, the one thing that I would be hyper focused on or my antenna would be up if I was in a scaling situation where I had more work than people in sales is I would make sure that no, there are no one's throwing away opportunities to get ease, the easier sales. And the ones they have to work on or the people that they really have to coverage counsel, um, they're just letting go because then your brand it gets impacted, right? Because you're not willing to do the hard work for customers. That's so huge with the managing of that lead resource. One of our values at Quantum is stewardship and like carefully and responsibly managing the resources that have been entrusted to us. And so for one of your customer service reps, that might look like how they manage their time. And as high you just mentioned for our our sales consultants, that could look like how they maximize the opportunities in the form of leads that come across their desk every day and taking the time to really get to know that client, make sure that client has a great experience without obsessing over if it was the perfect lead and um, making the most of that, that conversation. Yeah. So, and And you can design, you can design goals and and things around that to, to make sure that you're, Mm -hmm. You have a good pulse on it, but 
people can get creative. So I want to make sure that that's like one of your biggest things that you're looking at. Yeah, it's definitely something to be thinking of and just having our antennas up about. And so you've mentioned just the importance that our people play, whether it's, you know, numbers, processes are part of this tree, but the people are who are going to make this happen at the end of the day. So was there like a moment in your career as you were growing through the ranks? Was there a moment where you just had like that light bulb go off where you just understood the importance of like slowing down and, and helping people feel heard and, and connecting with them? I We get to work together. So I've seen, uh, I get the benefit of seeing you um, do the skip levels, have the round tables, chatting with people, doing the side-by-sides and seeing what a priority you put on that. Um, when did that like first click for you in your career? Yeah, there, there isn't a time. In it. So I'm, I'm luckily I've always been like good with people and connecting and, and like having good conversations. So that wasn't something that I had to actually work on. I think the way that it, um, it resonated with me and how important is it was, is that I didn't always have that mm-hmm. from my leaders right. through my various jobs, you know, not, and it wasn't always their fault. Um, it's just a process of the way that things were working. Mm-hmm. We're changing more often than, than we could handle. No one really knew what was going on. There was a lot of pressure. Um, so I felt that as I grew um, the ranks of my responsibilities, um, what would separate me from others is being able to do that really well. Um, mm-hmm. And that was part of my brand. Yeah. Um, and now I know how important it is because um, it's gotten me to where I'm at now. Sometimes knowing what not to do is a great place to start and we can learn from others and where that's put them and then try to continue to strengthen our insurance and leadership muscles as we grow and and continue becoming stronger and stronger. So I guess agencies are growing and they're developing their teams. What could they place as like their North Star to keep them on the right track and help them just keep the sights on how how to do this in a really like solid way for their team. Yeah. I think, you know, it's, it's all similar to everything that we've just been talking about is like understanding what your primary goal is, is your North star. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and making sure that like you're always focused on that and you're always going towards that. And like mm-hmm. every day is a step towards that goal and you don't lose track of that as the leader. Right. So if it's like, I want to, grow X amount, or I want my book policies enforced to be Y amount, like whatever that number is, um, making sure that consistently all of your actions are towards that one thing, you know? And then, and I think that's how you don't lose focus. You you know, you go to a retreat and, and you get all these cool ideas of something that's completely counter to what you previously set as your most important thing. So then you have to have a decision internally to say, do I pivot off of this thing? Is this the new way to go? Or is my old North Star still my North Star? You just have to be thoughtful and strategic on all of the actions that you're taking to your business because whatever like direction you point, everyone else under you is going to go that way. So you want to make sure that there's um, there's consistency there. And that can be hard with so many competing opinions in the industry. And there's no one way to grow an agency. You know, there's things that 
we've seen to be unproductive or where it's been more of throwing paint at the wall and being successful and experiences like that that we want to pass along to our agency force. But there's still a lot of great advice and different routes agency owners could take when they're deciding how they're going to market or how they're going to set up the hierarchy on their team or what their um, what their special position is going to be in those conversations with clients. So how can yeah. an agent like sift through the noise and figure out what approach makes sense for their unique agency? Yeah, I think um, maximizing your and your team's strengths. Okay. Everyone's not great at everything, right? So for example, if you have a team of really good personal lines folks, right? Like really, really solid, but they're not great in commercial, no trucking experience or whatever. And then they, you know, they hear trucking's awesome. Look at these huge average premiums, right? Let's leverage this. So I said, like, grow. But they know that their team doesn't have experience in trucking. So like, can't just go to your team. Maybe you can, but there's going to be a lot of disruption if you go to your team and say, hey, we're doing trucking tomorrow. You know, since none of them have any experience with it, that's going to be like, well, what that? Do you know what we're doing, boss? It's like, no, I haven't really had a lot of experience in trucking either, but I know it's what we should do. It's like, okay, great. So we're all going to learn together. That's going to slow you down, actually. Right? Instead, if, if you're like, all right, trucking is like, great. I want to know trucking, but I know that my current team are, are personal lines heavy hitters. Let me grow a trucking unit within my agency. And yeah, I won't go like day one, like taking advantage of these, but I have personal lines in a really good spot. I don't want to ruin all that. Mm -hmm. I want to grow a trucking line within it. That's an example of what mm -hmm. I'm talking about in terms of like maximizing your and your team's strengths, like understanding the deck that you're playing with, your current like location, your geography, the type of people that are coming to your shop, the type of leads that you're buying. You know, your strategy is your own and it's up to you as the leader. Um, it's like ultimately the buck stops with you. So the, the decisions you make have to maximize your team and make sure you're uh, meeting your financial goals. A lot of what you've shared to me, I hear it. I put my agency hat on and I hear like, oh, time. That's a time investment. That's going to take a lot of time to roll out. That's going to take time to have those conversations. That's going to have time to think through which strategy makes the most sense for our strengths. So what percentage of time should agencies maybe be looking at spending on strategy and planning and preparation versus executing and, and being out there yeah. on the floor really, of their team rolling up their sleeves? Yeah. I mean, it depends on your office structure. If you're the office manager in terms of like you're the person that's coaching your people to do better, managing the day-to-day -day directly, um, you're not going to have a lot of time to do this. I mean, just being honest with you. Um, or something's going to like fall off. You know, so if you have a team that you could trust that you don't need to like manage every day or coach or improve, which I would say is rare, to be frank. Mm -hmm. But let's say you decide that you're going to do that. Like your current performance, like even if it goes down slightly over the next two weeks, you're comfortable with, then yeah, you can spend some time to do a strategy session to see like which way you should pivot. Um, but I would say like, <clears throat> if you don't have an office manager, it's going to be tough. But mm -hmm. I also understand that office managers are expensive and we have to like go through the resources. But it's one of those things where who's going to be coaching your people while you're strategizing? I think that is a tough one, Haig, because it is so 
expensive to get your people resources in your team in the agency and up and running and getting that plane off of the ground. So do you, do you have any advice you could help us just kind of like think through for agents that are like, okay, I'm wearing so many hats that I'm working in the business 24 seven. I never get to work on the business. And that's not, that's not an easy equation. Um, when you're, when you're really trying to like work through that growth stage in your, in your startup. So, um, what advice or encouragement do you have someone in that position that wants to, maybe they love coaching their team, but they know that they're just not getting enough time for strategy and planning right now. Yeah. It's, um, it's like a pros and cons of what, what you want to do, but also Mm -hmm. like, are you being effective if you're coaching your people eight hours a day? And you still have to coach them. Mm-hmm. You know? So that's mm-hmm. part of what you need to think through is like, are my numbers going to change? <clears throat> Excuse me. If I only coach them six hours a day and I think about my business two hours a day, like, am I actually fully like in how intent am I being when I'm coaching my people that mm-hmm. if I had to be more disciplined and say, I only have four hours to coach my people, but I need to get the same juice like i need to squeeze the same juice out of the orange that it took me eight hours in the past what would i do different right Mm -hmm. like all business you know maybe have less like family talk all the time you know or another exercise that you can do is actually track all of it's annoying but it's fruitful track all like every hour of what you're doing in a day Mm -hmm. right like be super disciplined about it have a book and then even like your coaching combos, don't just say like Caitlin's coaching high from four to five. Instead, it's like, okay, we had intro for 10 minutes. Then we talked about this for 20 minutes. And then you'll start to see that you have so much time that you could be more in- impactful on. Right. But you should be spending at least an hour a day on strategy. That doesn't mean that you're going to have something polished every day. Right. But what that means is that after a week, you'll have five hours a week and maybe you you have like, OK, every month I'm going to tackle one thing. And all of a sudden you have 20 hours, 20, to you know, depending on the month, you have about 20 to 22 hours on strategy, which is a lot of time mm-hmm. if, if you're like disciplined about doing it. You know, and then different people have different times of the day. Mm-hmm. maybe it's like while I have my coffee, when I first get into the office, I'm not going to spend an hour looking at all these reports. I'm not going to spend, you know, I'm going to forget about the numbers for a second. And instead I'm going to take that hour to think through my strategy. And maybe I look at the reports once a week instead of every day. Um, that's another way you can cut out because the numbers aren't going to being react reactionary to the numbers. Isn't going to help you get better numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's great advice. And agents, if you find yourself in that position where you're, you are wearing a lot of hats and it does feel a little bit all over the place and you find it hard to hyper-focus, that is a super stressful time. Um, but just know that you can get through it. If you're getting stuck, call in reinforcements. If you're a quantum agent, you have a, a group of people here that want to help. And if you're 
part of this agency community with agency intelligence, you're surrounded by so many people who might have a strength in an area that's a little bit of diff, little bit different than yours. And just hopping on a, a call with one of your peers could help give you that extra perspective to help you narrow down, down your priorities and help you decide what that main objective is going to be for your team. And just know that there's some things that only you can do that um, you can't delegate like your strategy to someone else on the team. You can't delegate the direction that your agency is headed to someone else on the team. So even if you can only spend that one hour a day, just know that it'll be worth it. And taking time to slow down and plan can be so rewarding. So, oh my gosh, thank you so much, Haig. You gave us tons to go on. I know I was taking a lot of notes. Is there any advice you've been given that just stuck with you? Uh, that you would want to pass along to someone else that might encourage them or be inspiring for them as they um, keep growing their businesses? Yeah. I mean, I've gotten a lot of, I'm lucky. I've gotten a lot of good advice from a lot of great leaders. Um, but I think the one that resonates the most with me um, actually came from um, my boss. Um, his name's Rob Curran. Um, and when I first got my manager job at Geico that I was trying for forever, I was working for him and he said, you know, congratulations. Now you have like a hundred families in Long Island that rely on you to help, you know, support their families. Wow. So, you know, it's very impactful. So as an agent, you know, owner, you know, you have X amount of people that are relying on you to support their families. Um, and that's a huge responsibility and, uh, not to take it lightly. Um, so that one has, you know, impacted me throughout my career. It's such a responsibility and the impact that you can make on that team and the people in your community that you're helping is just huge. So agents, thanks for tuning in today. Hi, thanks a ton for the advice. Oh, one of my main takeaways was to be disciplined enough to not change all the time. And that's a really tough one. So thanks for reminding us to keep that one um, yeah, top of mind because it does take so much discipline. Um, thanks for tuning in agents and we'll see you again on the age of independence. Bye everyone. Hey agents, listen to this, listen to this. What are we terrible at? Think of it, think of it. Really? We're, we're terrible at training, right? We're not very good at hiring. We're not very good, terrible at firing, actually. Uh, terrible at creating process and some workflows. Terrible at technology and implementing that technology and even knowing what type of technology we want. And the list goes on and on. Now listen, I'm an agency owner and I, you know how it is to, to fix a problem. The first thing you gotta do is you gotta admit you have a problem. Here's what you do. Go to virtualintel.com, check out what we do, because we do all those bad things that you can't do, really. And you may do one or two of them well. Good for you if you can do them all. Just want you to know you're in the minority. But if you can't do any of them good, or you don't even want to do them anymore, because it just takes too much mental power, then good for you for realizing that and give us a call. I'm telling you, virtual intelligence, that's what we do. And where we specialize in high quality VEs, not virtual assistants. Look it up, go to ChatGPT, put in what's the difference between a virtual assistant and a virtual employee. Enough said, I don't have enough time to go on and on about all the differences on this 60 second commercial but you've got time to search it and look at it 
That's what we do. We deliver high quality VEs. We mix the technology with it. We train them on the technology, give them and the technology to you, and you're off to the races. I'm not joking with you. You can call my agency at any time, ask for Lordland, and we do ask her, say, how fast are you able to do quotes? I've actually got a couple videos of it. That's right. We can do five to 10 carriers in one quote in three to seven minutes. So you give me an auto quote, I can do five to 10 carriers in three to seven minutes. How are we doing it? We're doing it through the technology of virtual intelligence. Give us a call, check us out. You can ask for me personally, I'll do the demo for you. Who are they? Cast certified.